It's time for the Rockies Rundown, talking all things Colorado Rockies baseball. Here are your hosts, Jerry Schimmel and Tanner Schwint. Good Thursday afternoon, Northern Colorado. Welcome in to Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex. Live from the Allo Communication Studios, I am Tanner Schwint. Joining me, the voice of the Colorado Rockies, Jerry Schimmel. Jerry, how are you, my man? Andrew, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, yeah. Hanging out on this Thursday afternoon, having a good good off day. How about you? That's right. Hey, same way, man. I uh, I, w- I was really afraid uh, that this was going to be a uh, have to be a negative show today, Jerry, because the Rockies, as we know, been in a little bit of a slump. But how about that game yesterday? Well, there are a lot of people who just think negative thoughts about the Rockies, so let's just forget about that right now, okay? We can be positive. Yeah, it was a great it was a great come from behind win. You know, great pitching performance, and you know, anytime you're trying to stop a losing streak, you, you normally got to get some good pitching, and the Rockies got that. Kyle Freeland kind of danced around, I think, in that second inning, some traffic and left the bases loaded, I think, in the second or third inning. And then he, he pitched well after that, and the bullpen was outstanding. So, uh, And then clutch inning, coming back in that eighth inning to, to take the lead and the big home run by Crone. So big crowd, great weather. It was, it was a great day. And uh, you know, it, the, the whole thing about losing 12 in a row to any team, and the Giants have been good. They won 107 games a year ago. But any time you lose games like that in a row in baseball, it means that you're, you're just having some bad luck because those things tend to even out. Even if the, the Giants are a better team, they're not 12 games in a row better than the Rockies over the last two years. So um, there was a little fluke involved, but the Rockies, like it, like I said and like you're alluding to, Tanner, just had a really good win yesterday going the off day, something they really needed. Well, and the Giants are just they're just a weird team to me, Jerry. I I thought that they would take a they would take a step back this year. They're 22 and 15 now uh, after uh, yesterday's loss at the hands of the Rockies. They just seem to always. Uh, have pitchers that overperform. Now, some of that is uh, because they're pitching in San Francisco. The, bite, uh, the the ball doesn't fly out of there. We know that. But they have a really, really strong pitching staff that comes in year in and year out. And you talk about two polar opposites of where you play at here at Mile High uh, in Denver uh, at Coors Field and then back in San Francisco. That's a big uh, change for the Rockies who are, aren't used to playing down at sea level. And then when the Giants come to town, they're like, hey, we love this. The ball flies around every so it's just a little bit of a bugaboo matchup for the Rockies. It is, yeah. And, and I think you have to tip your hat to, to San Francisco because they they have a philosophy about pitching that organization that works. I mean, they have great pitching every year, and it really doesn't matter if they're pitching at home or on the road. They seem to get it done. So, And you look at this series, all three of their starters were outstanding at sea, at, uh, at altitude. So they, they have an approach a little different than a lot of teams do. They don't try to strike people out. And here's a great example. Logan Webb yesterday, when he, when he forced, was signed by this team, drafted in the minors, I was looking at some stuff about him yesterday, Tanner. He was throwing gas. I mean, he was 96, 97, power pitcher all the way, and they changed his approach. Now it's the sinker in the low 90s, but it's that great cutter and the slider and the changeup, and he gets ground ball outs, and that's, the, that's their philosophy. I mean, look at the guys. Madison Bumgarner became that kind of pitcher. Matt Cain was that kind of guy. Uh, power pitchers, and they came up, but they changed their style so they could last longer and that they could – be more efficient. So, and then what they do is they combine that approach, and and other teams do the same thing, but probably not as well as San Francisco. They combine that approach with with um, experience. 
they always got veteran guys in their lineup. They, they have a good mix of young and old, but there's always been that Buster Posey or the the Crawford or the Belt or you know Longoria on their team. They, this is final year, been there five years now, so they always had experience with position players and this approach to pitching that has worked, and it's just worked really well. Three World Series in the last what 15, 12, 15 years, and then uh, 107 wins a year ago, and they're off to a great start again. So. It's a, it's a team that's very consistent that way, and if you're going to beat them, you usually have to beat them like you did yesterday, get, get a, a close win, um, like a 5-3 like a to three victory and a come from behind, because they don't beat themselves very often. No, timely wins are, uh, you know, timely hittings are, are huge for getting big wins, and that's what the Rockies had yesterday. Uh, you know, Mike Yastrzemski is just a Rocky killer, man. It just seems every time yeah. he steps up to the plate, um, you know, it, it was tough. Of course, he won that game two of this three-game series when Daniel Bard made one mistake. I mean, he struck out the side in the top of the ninth on Tuesday night. He just left one slider hanging a little bit, and Yastrzemski hit that into the second deck in right field. He was incredible to watch play over the last three days. Yeah, and if you look at his numbers against the Rockies, it's just uncanny the last two years. I mean, you're right, Coors Field killer all the way. And and then you get guys like Estrada, who's the same way. He's got, I think he's hitting 500 against the Rockies uh, this year. So, yeah, you get guys like that that, that are, are just killers when they come to this ballpark. For some reason, they just thrive here. And those are the kind of guys that San Francisco usually has in their roster. Somebody that's going to uh, hit a mistake like Yaskrimski does and just get hot like Estrada does. And they, they come to Coors Field and they start beating you up a little bit. So what what you hope is you can have your own timely hitter and you can have your own hot hitter. And the Rockies have had a few of those and they combined that yesterday and got that victory. Well, they did. And I think what was a really, I mean, a couple of gut-wrenching losses, Jerry. I mean, the Rockies, like you said, they get a lot of hate here in Colorado. They get a lot of uh, you know negative publicity and some of it, rightfully so, some of it not just not so much because some of the other sports have been so fantastic around here. But for me, every time I watch watch these games I, I i'm really really cheering for a rockies win and and listen and, and listening to your call on sunday right when when they have a huge bottom of the seventh uh put up seven runs against the royals you're like okay they're gonna they're gonna do this series win we're feeling good we move on uh, daniel bard comes in and blows that one monday night you know that was a close one as well that they come in and they've got a shot at uh that was the that was the game that yastrzemski hit that home run tuesday you know they're down three you get two runners on cj crone at the uh, at the uh, plate, you think, okay, this is where they finally break through. Didn't happen. Finally, yesterday, this team almost like something clicked, and they realized this is how you win good baseball games. It, you know, they they haven't had a whole lot of experience of doing that, and yesterday it feels like it clicked for them. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right, and they were probably due for that because they they had situations where they could have won a game and they didn't. They let it get away, either lost a lead or just couldn't get that big hit which happens all the time. It happens to the best teams, and there was no question about that. What you hope is that you have a good enough pitching, especially starting pitching, to get you in a spot where you don't have to come back, where you can just uh, hold that lead and, and win a game like that, like the great teams do. So, no, you're right. There, there's some really, really tough ones. That series against Kansas City easily could have gone the Rockies' way when they had that big seven-run seventh inning. And then you win that series, and everybody's thinking, all right, well, you won two out of three against the Royals who aren't that good. And that's what you're supposed to do. And then with the Giants the same way, easily could have gone two games to one in the Rockies' favor. But it didn't, and so people said, oh, well, here we go again. It's the same old Rockies team. They can't win a series. They're 
started well at home, and now they're falling off and all that. That that might be the case. It, it, we don't know that because it's such a long season. But I know this, that those games easily could have gone the other way. And there are teams that come in here and get beat and think, you know, easily could have gone our way too. So that's, that's the way baseball is sort of designed. You can, you could come from behind. There's no, there's no clock. So you can, as long as you got outs that you still haven't made yet, you have a chance to come back. And that's the great thing about baseball. And the Rockies certainly could have won a few more games on this homestand than they have. But hey, it is what it is. Well, it is. And I think the Kansas City uh, series is what really hurts. I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there predicting the Rockies to win the Giants series. And, and I think, really, if you just look at this by the, the Giants series, and I know you can't do that, but for the reasons that you just said, Jerry, it's a long season. But that's got to give you a lot of hope about this Rockies team. I mean, that was a salty series. They had a shot in every one of those and finally won that third game. I can't wait till these two teams match up again because it seems like the Rockies, you know, figured some stuff out. Yeah, exactly. And even going back to the, the Kansas City series before this one, you know, who would have ever thought Kansas City came in? I think they were last in the American League in run score. They had lowest batting, they were hitting under 200 as a team, and they liked Kyle Freeland up. Who had come off a, a six-inning shutout uh, effort in his previous uh, start in Arizona and gave up a career-high 10, 12 hits. Who would have ever thought that? No. So what you do is you you put Cal Freeland out there because he's your one of your top pitchers coming off a great outing, and you think, all right, it's against a weak-hitting Royals team, and the way it should come out is the Rockies win this 7-1. to But that's not what baseball is, is about. Sometimes you can get hot like the Royals did and not look like a team that's hitting 191. And then you can come in here like San Francisco and look like this great team on paper and got all this pitching, and you still get a win. So it's, it's that way with the, the nature of baseball is that way. What you try to do, Tanner, you know this, and I'm, I'm not probably saying anything that nobody understands, but over 162-game schedule, you just try to stay as consistent as you can. And you go out there, when you, when you lose, you, you, you put that lineup that you think is the best one out there to win the next game, which the Rockies did yesterday, and they got the victory, and everybody feels good about it now. So that's just the way baseball operates, and, and I think that's why it's so fun, because it's so doggone unpredictable. Well, and I'll tell you what, that Friday, uh, Friday night game that they did lose, the one you were referencing, 14-10, to 10, um, instant baseball classic, too. That was well played. There was no errors, right, Jerry? I mean, that, that's right up there with some of the best games you've ever broadcast. No nutcase? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 you're exactly right. That's the other thing about this team we haven't talked about, and I'm sure we will, is the sloppy defense. Yeah. Which is, uh, we're trying to figure that out. I don't really know what the answer or what the reason for it is, but it is it is there for sure. No, and that's what I want to talk about uh, in the next segment when we come back. It's Rockies Rundown presented by Autoplex. If you're looking to get uh, be done with that boring old ride or make some amendments to it, you can't go buy a new car yet, Autoplex has you covered. You mentioned KFKA. You get 10% off of a, a tinting, a window tinting for your car. Just mention KFKA, 10% off that window tinting. Keep out the sun as the summer months come this way. It is Rockies Rundown. Down, presented by Autoplex on Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031 and 1310 KFK. 
Rocky's Rundown rolls on here on Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031 and 1310 KFKA. I am Tanner Schwint, joined by Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies. And Jerry, you alluded to it in that first segment. Uh, this defense is just head-scratching right now from the Rockies. And I want to start first and, and really with the guy that is the most confusing with, and that's Ryan McMahon. He had seven errors all of last year. I believe he's sitting at eight already this year. What is going on with Ryan? Yeah, we're all trying to answer that question. I think Ryan's probably trying to do the same thing. I think there are a couple things there. I think um, one is he's, he's trying to make that, that incredible play, and it's, it's just not happening. And maybe trying too hard, if that makes any sense. Um, he is a really good, solid defender. He was a finalist for a gold glove a year ago. And like you said, what, seven errors all of last season. So you know it's there. And I think with Ryan, too, you know, he made a couple errors early on, and then it just sort of snowballed. And I think what happened with him is it got in his head a little bit, and it's like, oh, man, I hope the ball doesn't get hit to me. And when you start thinking that as a baseball player, you are in trouble as a defender because the ball is going to find you. And I think that's what's happened with Ryan. He had a couple errors that were uncharacteristic early in the season, and I don't know who to blame on those. I think one was a throw, a couple were throwing errors, and others were that he booted. And then it starts getting in your head a little bit, and then you start thinking, all right, am I as good a defender as I think I am? Do I, am I able to make this great play? Uh, can I make all the routine plays? And so I think it gets in your head a little bit, and then you start second-guessing yourself. And like I said, when that happens, then you, you start making more errors. So I think that's a little bit of what Ryan McMahon is going through right now. I'll tell you this, he makes – he makes a really difficult play look easy, though, Tanner. I mean, you can just see that he has got that talent at third base, especially. Loves to play over there. I think it's a little bit of a fluke. It's got to be when you have uh, a gold glove a caliber third baseman committing errors like that. I think things will probably slow down that, that way for him, and I think he'll be a solid defender the rest of the season. Well, and I, I tend to agree, and Jerry, tell me if I'm way off on this, but this is just where my head went. Uh, you know, there is a pretty good third baseman for the Rockies there for a couple of years that could make every defensive play over there, and following in those footsteps is not easy to do. Do you think that mental side plays any sort of a role, or do you think if it did, we would have seen more of this last year? No, I don't think so. And, and Ryan has, uh, has addressed the media that way. They've asked that question to him directly. And I, and I think he's being very honest when he says no. It has really no effect on, on him at all. I don't think he thinks, oh, there's big shoes to fill over there, or he's going to disappoint fans or the organization. And it, I, I don't think there's any of that stuff. I really don't. I, I think fans understand that he's a good young player that's going through a little bit of a, tr- a little trouble right now defensively, like probably every player does that comes up and, and plays on a regular basis. So I, I don't think so. I, I, and if I did, I would say it, but I really don't think that's affecting him. If you know this guy, Tanner, he's just a, he's kind of a fun-loving, outgoing personality that I think the last thing he's thinking is, i got to be Nolan Arenado. I'm just going to be myself. And, and the, the Ryan McMahon, if he just plays like he's capable of playing and is himself, he's going to be a very above-average defender at third base and a, and a wonderful hitter. So, no, I don't think so. I, and, and I've thought about that in the past, and I thought, no, I just don't think that's Ryan McMahon. I think it's probably something different than trying to fill shoes. Well, Jerry, I have officially apologized for the Brendan Rogers slander that I had <laughs> going on for a while there. Uh, listen, I was trying to, t- I, I bought in for a while. I'm like, it's just a slump. And then he's like two for 40 million 
it felt like. And, and, and I was like, it's time for this guy to go down. We've had those conversations. But um, I, th- I guess I should have clarified. I apologized for, you know, the slander of his bat. But it seems like Rodgers can only do one thing at a time. It's either play defense or hit the ball. And right now he's hitting the ball, but his defense is backed up. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think he's that gifted defender like you have over at third base with McMahon. I think that that's probably the well, we knew this. That was a weaker point in this game, and I think actually playing second base is a, a little bit more difficult of adjustment than he thought it would be. I think he did, I think a lot of people think, oh, he put a shortstop at second, he can play second. Hey, look at Trevor's story. Trevor's struggling playing second base in Boston. I mean, he is not a second baseman. Not not to say Brendan Rodgers isn't a, a second baseman. I think he's he's going to be fine there. But there, there are some things that Brendan does that that are a little bit frustrating to a manager or to coach. And one of those is I think he gets a little lazy defensively. Um, there was a play... I forget what game it was where he had an error against the uh, the Giants, and instead of uh, circling around and catching that ball, moving forward, maybe on a short hop, he backed up and tried to backhand the thing, and it went off his glove in the center field. Where hey, normally you either you either circle around or get that that ball on a short hop, or you get in front of it and knock it down and still have a play. He didn't do that; just got a little bit lazy that way. So uh, he's uh, needs to improve that in that way. But I think he's that guy that can be an average second baseman defensively. I don't think he's ever going to be a gold glover. He's not built that way. He's built for to, to swing the bat. So um, there's an improvement uh, on Brendan Rodgers' part defensively for sure, but I, I can say this. He's never going to win. A, if he wins a gold glove someday, I'll be shocked. I'll say that. <laughs> well, I, I think that you can uh, be among probably millions in that, Jerry, that, that don't think he's going to win that gold glove. But, when you know, we singled out a couple of guys, but this has been throughout. I mean, uh, for a while there – I'm thinking about on the road down in San Francisco uh, behind the plate. I can't remember if it was Diaz who who was having some sloppy play behind the plate, throwing the ball on the yeah. left field, silly things like that, Jerry. Uh, we've seen a lot of couple guys, but this has been pretty widespread throughout the entire team. What is with that? Is it just kind of you, you see all these other guys start to do it and you get in your own head be like, oh, boy, I can't make that mistake. Uh, what do you think is going on with the Rockies defense? Yeah, I think it can be a little contagious that way. Um, I, I think it's too just probably individually. I mean, you look at Diaz, he's got that rocket arm. He's got one of the best catching arms in the, in the game. But sometimes you don't know exactly where the ball is going to go. And, he, and you're right, he's thrown two of them in the left field. That, that was him and not Nunez, like you said. So that's uncharacteristic. And how do you put, what do you do to put your finger on it? I, I don't know. Hey, you know, throw better. You know, what, do you, what do you tell us? That's your, right. you know, don't throw the ball away. C.J. Crone has thrown a couple of errant throws, starting double plays. Uh, one of them in that Giants series, he got bailed out by Iglesias at, at, uh, at second base. Somehow he caught that ball and stepped the bag and got the force. But uh, he's got some errant throws that just kind of get away from, kind of sail on him. So, you know, what do you, what do, you do about that? Hey CJ, don't make that throw like that. Make a better throw. Well, he knows he knows that. He's always been good that way. So, uh, what do you, what do you do about it? I think what what you do is you let these guys play. They're here at the big league level for a reason because they've thrown, they've made that throw Tanner thousands of times, thousands of times. 
And that's why they're here, because they're consistent and they got the talent level to do it. So you just put them back out there and just hope they settle down a little bit and the errors go away, which I think they're going to. There's still going to be errors, but they're not going to be at this rate. And I think when the weather warms up, that probably helps a little bit too. But I think you're just going to see this team play better defense as we move forward. Well, you talk about Crone. You talk about a guy that's built to swing the bat. I mean, nobody's thinking he's going to be a gold glove first baseman over there. And when you're hitting 10 home runs already, when you're leading the NL in home runs, I think you'll take a couple errant throws every once in a while. I mean, obviously you don't want to have them, but if you get the offensive production, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, and I think everybody understands that with both Rodgers and with C.J. Crone. Hey, you're never going to get great defense from those guys, but let's have let's have the defense be adequate enough to where we can keep that bat in the lineup every day and and put up with a couple errors or a play that that uh, uh, some other first baseman or second baseman might not make. I mean, there there are balls that that Rodgers hasn't gotten to on ground balls that have been base hits that D.J. LeMahieu would make a play on. Yeah. But that's not who Rodgers is. So you live with that because you got this potent bat in the lineup. So, you know, that right side of the infield is never going to be an awesome defense. You're going to see him make plays every once in a while. But what you hope is they make the routine play and not and, and not throw the ball away at second or have a ball you know come off your wrist or something when you're when you could have charged it or got in front of it and it's an error. So um, those two guys are probably average defenders at best. They're probably never going to be better than average defenders because that's not how they're built. But what you hope is with Crone and with Rogers, they make up for any kind of errors when they're swinging that bat. Well, they do, and I want to take this break a, a, a little bit longer here, Jerry, because there's something that's not talked about a whole lot, and I don't know why it's not, is the psyche uh, bad defense causes on the pitcher. Because all of a sudden, you know, the Rockies don't have a lot of high strikeout type of guys. There are a lot of pitch to contact, let the defense do the work. Well, when pitchers start to lose confidence and faith in their defense, then those non-strikeout type of guys start searching and looking and hunting for those strikeouts more, and it doesn't pay off in the end, and you start to see balls you know, that, that normally are routine ground balls that get hit hard somewhere into a gap, and it takes a toll on the pitching staff as well. You know, I, I think it, 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 that's probably the case in some instances. I, I really honestly, Tanner, don't think that is the case with the Rockies, no, really? okay. and I'll tell you why. Because Bud Black says no. I mean, that is a pet peeve for him. And he, and he, he tells his pitchers first day of spring training in those meetings, you do never, you never, uh, get upset when there's an error behind you. And he said, flip, flip the pace a little bit. How about if you threw, if you throw a walk or a walk the bases loaded, your position players have a right to be mad at you. So you can't, you don't have, you have no right to be mad at them when they commit an error because you do the same stuff the way you pitch. So let's not blame each other. Let's not have one side blame the other. Don't ever glare at a player after he makes an error. I just don't think that happens with the, with the Rockies. Have I seen it happen before? Yes, I've seen it with other teams. But I'll tell you what, if, if Kyle Freeland or Marquez or somebody does that with somebody behind them making an error, they are in serious trouble with the manager. I can tell you that right now. See, that's why you're here, Jerry. Uh, you, you know a little something about these Rockies. you got a little good, pretty good insight there. you got to correct me when I get off path. I was wondering why I was here. Now I know. Thank you, <laughs> it is Rockies Rundown presented by Autoplex. That's Jerry Schimmel. I'm Tanner Schwent. Uh, again, we'll be back on the other side. The weather is going to play a big role. Does the Mets head to town? What's that look like? And we preview the Mets series when we come back. It's a Rockies Rundown right here on Northern Condos Voice, 1031 and 1310 KFK.
Rockies Rundown, live from the Owl Communications Studios. I'm Tanner Schwint. Jerry Schimmel joining me as well. Our show presented to you by Autoplex. Are you tired of driving your boring old ride? The accessory experts at Autoplex Restyling Centers can help you love your drive. And right now, for limited time only, mention KFKA for 10% off of your heat-blocking window tint. That's 10% off. That's not a cheap uh, thing to get done. That's going to make an impact with that 10%. Mention KFKA. Visit them at autoplex.com. Autoplexco.com. Excuse me again. Autoplexco.com. Now, Jerry. You talked about the weather warming up. Not this weekend. It's not, my friend. Oh my gosh! You see, you've seen the weather forecast. That looks absolutely crazy. It could well snow in downtown Denver uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, that's uh, we're going to keep our eye on that weather. Obviously, the, the game is on for right now. But the way it looks, Tanner, I, I just can't. I can't see how they could play now. Maybe they get a little window. It's going to be cold, and that's okay playing cold, but you obviously can't play in the snow or the rain. So hopefully there's a little window there. Uh, the tarp will be on the field, we're told, starting at midnight tonight. So uh, we'll, we'll find out. And, and what's interesting, too, if you can't play tomorrow um, with the Mets, they've already played a doubleheader this week. And I don't know I don't know what the rules are, whether you can play two doubleheaders in a week on a makeup like that. So if there's potential to play a doubleheader on Saturday if you get uh, hit tomorrow, um, I'm not sure what that looks like. So um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with this, the first two games of the series. Well, Sunday that, looks okay, so maybe there's a doubleheader on Sunday, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure, Jerry. And this is what I, I'm a little confused by. And again, you're going to have to set me straight here because in my brain, listen, I, I get you can't play in the rain if it's coming down like that. That that's just sloppy mess. But I, I can't remember the day of the game. But there was it was last year or maybe two years ago where the Rockies. It was some iconic moments because the snow was just falling down. You can't even hardly see the baseball when it leaves the yard. I can't remember who it was who hit that home run. But uh, we we've seen the Rockies play in snow before. Whose call is that to to uh, delay or postpone a game? That's the ump, uh, the lead umpire's decision. So the crew chief, they, they call that. So he gets input from obviously from the, the home team, but it's the umpire. The, it's the umpire's decision. So it you know you can play or not play according to that umpire, and and they they kind of almost take an oath that they'll take they'll they'll listen to all the information, they'll listen to both managers, they'll listen to the weather forecast, the groundskeeper, all that kind of stuff before they make a decision like that. And a lot of it has to do with. The, the schedule as well. If there's a team just coming into town one time, like the Mets do, and they're not coming back, and there's no chance for them to play a doubleheader down the road, then you're more inclined to play through some crazy weather. And that's probably the game that you're talking about, Tanner. And I've been some of those as well. I remember playing, I think it was the Mets, I don't know, five or six, seven years ago, and it rained through the whole game, and the Mets were not coming back. It's the only way to get this game in was to play this one through the rain. And the Rockies were ahead in the ninth inning, and I went down the field to get my interview like I normally do, and it was pouring. I couldn't believe how much water there was standing and coming down, and they played through that. So and they put all those factors together and make a decision on whether you, you play, not play, delay, start, whatever that is. So that's, that's the, umpire, the umpire's decision. And then um, it, when that is made, then the home team has to discuss, obviously, with the visitors when to make that up if they do that at that time. So the Mets come to town. Obviously, the Mets have been off to a, a hot start, twenty-five and fourteen, uh, thirteen and five on the road. Jerry, this team—I mean, it's—they're assembled really well. But I don't think anybody thought they would be off to this hot of a start. 
Nope, I don't think so either. And uh, you know, they have they have a couple new faces, and Scherzer's we're going to miss Scherzer now, so that that helps a little bit. But you know, they you're you're right. This big big payroll, um, and they they have a lot of talent assembled there, and they're playing with with a lot of confidence. So it's a it's a formidable team. You look up and down that lineup, and you look at that pitching staff. They're they're loaded, Tanner. They they really are. I mean, they're they're a championship caliber team, and that's the way they were built. And and with their payroll, they probably should be that elite team. So it'll be. A real challenge for the Rockies. There's no easy outs in that lineup. Uh, they'll throw some great starting pitching at you. Their bullpen is probably a surprise to a lot of people, especially the back end of that, how good it's been. So, yeah, t- tough assignment this weekend for the Rockies, for sure. Well, and Carlos Carrasco gets the uh, start tomorrow for uh, the Mets against Herman Marquez. You know, if this was anywhere else, I'd say this might be a pitching duel, and it very well could still be, especially with the cooler temperatures, Jerry. But uh, Carrasco, uh, I mean, 3.73 ERAs, 3-1 and one of the games that he started. But I don't want to talk about the Mets. I want to talk about the Rockies. It's Rockies rundown. <laughs> Herman uh, Marquez w- uh, w- pitched that game on Saturday that I was in attendance for. That's the second time I've been able to see him pitch, and he looked like the, the the Marquez of old. You know, he got roughed up in one inning, but for his ability to come back and you know hold the Royals, I think there was three runs scored against him that were his uh, to hold the Royals to those. That that was the Marquez that we've been looking for. And that's, I think, difference, Tanner, between that start and some previous ones for him is that when things would unravel, that he couldn't find the answer to it. And with against the Royals, you're right, he gave up those three runs in the inning, and then he was really good after that. And that's a good sign. Yeah, all right, hey, I'm going to make some adjustments. I'm going to do something a little bit differently here, and I'm going to start getting some outs again. So that was really good to see. And you're right, he pitched pretty well on that one. Uh, maybe not some of the dominant stuff that we've seen in the past from Marquez, but certainly is back. And where you can really pinpoint uh, his problems, and that's fastball command. He just, you know, he's got a great, he's got a wipeout slider, and he can throw it to, to righties or lefties, but he has to set that pitch up with his fastball command, and he's fallen behind hitters so often that he can't set up that. Then you stay off that slider at 2-0. and So, uh, fastball command has been everything for him. I know that be, be, um, from the two starts ago to the last one that you saw, Tanner, he said he had his best bullpen in two years. He threw wow. kind of a full bullpen, I think, a day two or three after that start, and he was just all excited about it. He just felt like the ball was coming out of his hand the right way. He was commanding every pitch, all that. And it did kind of translate into that next start against Kansas City. So hopefully that is the, the start for him to get back to that all-star caliber that he was uh, uh, last year. And uh, um, I, I, I think he'll come out tomorrow if we play that game and, and be very strong. No, and, and I agree with you. And it was really exciting to see him get back in that form a little bit. But you talk about the fastball control and, and, and not walking people. I mean, don't create your own trouble. Yeah. Uh, put the, let him put the yeah. ball in play and let the defense work behind behind you and you know one of the pitchers who's been really good at this year at that this year for the Rockies who finally got beat up a little bit was Chad Cool. I mean he he was not overly striking everybody out but he was letting the defense work and there weren't hard hit balls and and I think uh, Marquez if you can take a little bit of a page from that book he'll be just fine. Yeah, I think so too and and well, that's that's that you make a great point about walks, and there's something about Coors Field that if you walk somebody, man, you're going to get into trouble. And Jeff Francis, the, one of the great Rockies pitchers in the past, used to say that all the time. People would ask him, "Hey, what's it, what's the key to pitching Coors Field?" He says, "You cannot walk people." And and look at Jeff's track record. I think he's got the the fewest walks per inning of any a pitcher in, in Rockies history, and he had he had success for that reason. So, yeah, leadoff walks especially seem to just go back and bite you at this 
this ballpark. So um, th- that's, a, that's a great point. And that's what the Rockies strive to do is, hey, let's put the ball in play. We're not going to strike everybody out. We're not built that way. We don't have power pitchers that are um, that are in our starting rotation. We're looking for ground ball outs. We're looking for weak contact, kind of like Kyle Freeland did yesterday. And we don't have to – you know what? The other thing about striking guys out, that's fine for the bullpen. But if you're going to be a power pitcher and be a strikeout guy, it takes a lot of pitches to strike guys out. And it doesn't take a lot of pitches to get ground ball out. So that's kind of the philosophy the Rockies are taking. And Chad Cool is that way. Senzatella doesn't walk anybody. Kyle Freeland normally doesn't. But when Marquez does, he gets in trouble. And so to eliminate the walks, that goes back to fastball command as well. You get ahead of hitters, you have less tendency to – uh, less of a tendency to walk guys anyway. So uh, keep keep the walks at a minimum. You're going to walk a few guys, but keep them at a minimum. Put the ball in play and let your defense work. Well, and speaking of Senzi, too, uh, you know, he was looking uh, magnificent the other night. And then, of course, he goes out after two innings. He matched his uh, uh, season high in strikeouts in just two innings. Uh, and now, is it lower back pain? Is that what was going on there, Jerry? Yeah, yeah, lower back strain. So, yeah, he's kind of kind of the injury that Chris Bryant had, just a lower back on his left side. And, uh, yeah, I put on the, the injury list now. So the Rockies got to probably fix that gap a little bit. I'm guessing they'll call back up a uh, guy from the minors. But, uh, yeah, that's, that was an unfortunate situation because you're right. He looked great. And he, had, he hadn't been striking anybody out. He had four strikeouts in two innings, and all of a sudden he's out. So, yeah, that, that was a tough blow for the Rockies. And we talked about this, Tanner, I think, in the very first show. And I think Patrick Saunders said the same thing. Yeah. The key to this team this year is health with that starting rotation. And you've seen one guy out already. Yeah, no, it's going to be difficult if that happens. And and I saw a breakdown of how the next games go. I think for the Rockies, they'll be okay throughout this series, but you got to have a contingency plan somewhere. Jerry, who is that contingency plan? Yeah, that's. I think Ryan Feltner is the guy that did a spot had a spot start for the Rockies in Philadelphia, yep. and he actually showed some flashes. He's been their best pitcher at AAA Albuquerque. If you look at the numbers, he's had some very good games. He's got a high strikeout total there. He's an option. Ty Block is an option as well. And Bud was asked about that because you're right. Because the day off today, they're okay through this homestand, but they'll need an extra arm next week on this road trip. And uh, and Bud says Ty Block is pro- is a is a possibility depending on what happens this series. You got to bring out the bullpen early, like you did replacing Sensatella. Then he's probably not going to be available to start. So my guess is that Brian Feltner is called up, or another pitcher for the minors is called up. But um, I'm guessing that's the way they go. That would be Plan A. Plan B would be Ty Block getting a spot start. Talking with Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies. I'm Tanner Schwint. This is Rockies Rundown. And uh, we've seen uh, Chris Bryant with his rehab uh, stint down with Albuquerque. I believe he was one for four last night with a double. He was one for three the night before that. Those are encouraging signs for for Chris as he tries to get back in this lineup. Yep, and the Rockies need him back. There's no question about it. I mean, they, they have good offense. They they have put numbers up without him in the lineup. And But you know you know the track record there, Tanner. You know the talent level. Man, when he's healthy, he's one of the best hitters in the game, a clutch hitter, and just fits in this lineup so well, and I think it tours field so well. So, yeah, they'll be hoping he comes back strong, and when he does, be welcome with open arms. Uh, I, I can say this. Uh, that when he, in his absence in the outfield anyway, guys like Daza and Hilliard have gotten some time and have taken advantage of that, especially Daza. So it, that's what you hope is when you have a key player go out that the guy that or the guys that step in to take his spot are productive, and that's what's happened with Chris Bryant out. And uh, and I think it'll be that way the rest of the year. You got you got some pretty talented outfielders that 
that uh, probably aren't going to play every day. No, and that's what, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but that, that just brought me uh, uh, to another conversation that we've been having, Jerry, on this program. Are we going to see Charlie Blackman become more of a full-time DH because of that, because of the athleticism out there? Because you can't take Daza out of the lineup the way he's hitting the ball right now and, and the way that he he uh, defends as well. You know, you, Hilliard, okay, you put Bryant in left. Grichik, you need in right. Does Blackman become that designated hitter? I, I think he probably will do that more and more as the season goes on. I don't think, Tanner, that he's going to be exclusively that DH. And I think what you'll do is is you'll have him play right field. I think the, the, the best-case scenario is he plays right field about every fourth or fifth day just to get somebody else that would normally play in the outfield off their feet and give him a, a break or have him be the DH or something like that. And I, I was uh, – in the game yesterday, we had out there Hilliard, Daz, and Grichik. And I was looking at some stuff with, with that, with those three. And with those three in the outfield, it is one of graphic, just looking at defensive graphics, Tanner, one of the very best outfields in the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, def- defensively. So I think it was like one or two combination compared to any team in, in Major League Baseball this year. Their defensive graphics showed that trio in the outfield yesterday was one of the very best trios in baseball. So yeah, to, to get Charlie Blackman out of there is Probably probably a good thing. Uh, you want Charlie in the lineup because even though he's hitting 220, you know he's productive. Hit that home run yesterday to kind of get things going for the Rockies. So he's going to be fine offensively. He's still got a quick bat. He's still a, a really tough out. Uh, he drew that walk late in the game. So um, you, you want to keep him in the lineup, but you probably want to keep him out of right field as best you can. So to answer your question, long answer to your question is, I think you'll see less and less of Charlie in the outfield, but you'll keep, you'll keep seeing him in the lineup. Well, I know people are yelling in their cars right now at me, Jerry, too, because I didn't even mention Connor Joe. Uh, you know, how do you get him in the lineup as well? Bud Black's going to have a good problem on his hand, but a problem still the same. When we come back on the other side here at Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex, we'll give our predictions with the Mets coming to town. I also want to get Jerry's prediction for the Avalanche game tonight. We're going to talk a little hot. Hockey on Rockies Rundown, right here on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 at 1310 KFK. Rockies Rundown, live from the Allo Communications Studios, presented by Autoplex. I am Tanner Schwint, Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Rockies, joining me up on the hotline. Well, we've got a series against the Mets, hopefully, that we're going to get in if the weather holds off. Jerry, what are you predicting here? The Mets are one of the best teams right now in the National League. Uh, what do you think is going to go down in the series? Prediction time. Well, hopefully they get this game in uh, tomorrow. But, uh, you know, I, I think what you, you hope is you can take the series, so two out of three. And uh, I think if you're going to do that, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. I think Tanner, anytime, I think the Rockies have the most home wins um, in the National League right now. So uh, you're at home, and anytime you're at home with your course field, coming off a, a win like you did yesterday and you got the day off today, Going to a series, you probably feel pretty good about things. And, and um, I, I think two out of three for the Rockies would be a, a great number. Um, heading into the series, like I said, there's some momentum, and you've got this big road trip coming up. So if you went two out of three, I think you're, you're, you're sitting really well, and I think that's what the Rockies can do. No, I, I agree with you there. I, th- I just have this feeling that yesterday's win is going to be a catalyst.
catalyst for this team. It's something I truly do believe that, okay, that's how you beat good teams. That's what is required. You know, Bard comes in at the top of the ninth, shuts it down. There was never even a question about, oh, scary times. He got his rhythm back. He got his confidence back. You know, Crone with a big hit in the clutch. Everybody came through with clutch hits yesterday. Now that's not going to happen all the time, but I think this could be a catalyst to say, oh, yeah, it's just baseball. Let's have some fun. Let's be good at it. Yeah, and, and I think all all things are pointing that direction. I think when you when you get a win like that, stops a losing streak, and then you have that those these days off, Tanner, are just so important. I mean, mentally for players, it's such a long season. You get day off every what two and a half weeks or so, and to have that day off after a win because you're feeling good about yourself after that win, you get the day off, and then you're still at home. You just go into another series. I think everybody's excited now. If you if Marquez gives up four runs the first thing, that momentum's probably wiped out real quick. But uh, I think that's what you do right now. You feel good, and I can tell you this: guy's going to be excited about getting back in the clubhouse tomorrow and on the field again tomorrow. We'll, we'll see what the weather looks like tomorrow. But I think everybody's anxious to be back after a win like that. You want to go? You want to get back? I mean, I want to get back in the broadcast booth. We had a great win yesterday. Let's go. Let's get back at it and see if we can keep this thing going. No, I agree. I think that you're going to see a dominant performance by Marquez tomorrow if that gets to go. I mean, he's got everything working for him. That colder weather, the ball's not going to fly as much. Uh, and I think after that last outing, I I can see you know he's trending upwards. So I'm not I'm not bailing on 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 the Rockies at all. You know, host of the whole show, Brady Hole, who you just heard here on KFKA, he uh, he cornered me in my office and said, "Hey, now that it's just you and I, you don't actually think the Rockies are going to make the playoffs, do you?" And I'm like, I. I do still. I still have that confidence in this team. It's been a rough stretch, but I still I still have that confidence. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping they make the playoffs so you and I can go out and have uh, Brady buy us dinner and beers. Oh, yeah, because, absolutely. Because we will deserve that, and he will deserve to have to pick up that tab. So I hope we can just throw that back in his face someday. No, me too, Jerry. That's what we're hoping for, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, perfect day for the Rockies to have an off day because uh, the uh, well, the Stanley Cup favorites, the Colorado Avalanche, are in action tonight against the St. Louis Blues. You, you like the Avs' chances tonight? I do. I do. I think they're going to win by two goals tonight. I don't think it's going to be as close. I don't think it's an overtime uh, win. I think it's going to be in regulation uh, five to three abs. All right. I've got it five two. That was the prediction I gave earlier today on Good Morning NoCo. Five to two. Uh, you know, they're 11 wins away. I really do think that this is the year that they hoist that, uh, uh, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they're as good as anybody, aren't they, Tanner? Or, or better than anybody? You look at the regular season, you see those numbers. And boy, I, I think uh, when you look at how they played in that first series, the opening round, and the way they persevered in game one of this series, you, you have to make them, in my mind anyway, I'm not a hockey expert, the prohibitive favorite. So I'm with you. I think this is their year. All right. I, I am as well. Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Jerry, you'll be back on tomorrow morning, 835 with me. You good for that? This is how we schedule guests, by the way. I am good. Let's go. All right, baby. Let's go. We'll uh, talk with you. And, Jerry, hopefully we hear you tomorrow night. Let's go, Rockies. This has been Rockies Rundown presented by Autoplex. Uh, For Micah Kilpatrick, for Jerry Schimmel, I'm Tanner Schwint. We'll be back at it next Thursday. It is uh, Rich Eisen coming up next.